In journalism, August is as close to a slow season as it ever gets in the newsroom. This week, though, that changed in a hurry, with floodwaters inundating Louisiana, war raging on in Syria, and fires roaring through Southern California. Even the book world came back from vacation to make its way into the headlines. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Ron Boire, CEO at the Barnes & Noble book retail chain, barely made it to his one-year anniversary before the company's board had sent him packing on Tuesday. The sudden move makes way for the next BNN chief, who will be the third to hold the job in less than three years. Every Friday, Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, joins me with the latest publishing news, and he has reaction to the bar departure from BNN's biggest customers. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So indeed, I've kind of stepped on your line there, but really, that's the big news this week. We knew it when we saw it, and we knew we'd be talking about it with you, that just after a year at the helm, Ron Bois, the Barnes & Noble CEO, has abruptly and without explanation, or very much of an explanation, left the company. Tell us more. Yes, indeed, that is the news. And it is huge news in the book business this week. Barnes & Noble, the country's largest physical book retailer, put out a release at 4.30 on a Tuesday afternoon that its board had dismissed its CEO, Ron Boire. As you say, the former head of Sears Canada, Boire was only on the job for just over a year. I believe he was hired in July of 2015. In a terse statement, the board said that it had determined that, and I'm going to quote here, I have this written down, that Boire was, quote, not a good fit for the organization and that it was in the best interests of all parties for him to leave the company. Uh, as a result of Boar's abrupt departure, Len Riggio, BNN's founder and chairman, of course, uh, is going to postpone his retirement, which was all set to happen in just a few weeks. He was set to go in September. Uh, Riggio is now going to stay on at the company indefinitely while it searches for Boar's replacement. Well, not a good fit for an organization. I mean, that's as uh, squishy as it gets and rather <laughs> broad uh, as a reason to find your CEO. So do we have any idea what that really means? Uh, I agree. It's squishy indeed, especially when less than two months earlier on June 23rd, that very same CEO laid out a new strategic plan for the retailer in like a two-hour conference call for investors. And it's the second line of the board's explanation that really grabs my attention, that it was in the best interest of all parties that Boar leave. I mean, I don't understand how getting fired after a year, just after a big strategic plan uh, was announced, that it's in the best interest of Ron Boar to leave. Uh, so you read that or you hear that, and you have to think that the departure is not all about performance. Now, at this time, we have no information on what exactly precipitated the, the departure. Departure, but uh, that's a puzzling statement, and the relative silence of all parties here certainly suggests that there's going to be more to this story. Well, if anyone uh, does actually say anything, you'll tell us, I'm sure, Andrew. But in the meantime, let's discuss uh, what this all means, uh, and it's it's really kind of a continuing story here. Barnes & Noble's performance hasn't been good for rather a long stretch now, and that, in fact, uh, precedes uh, Ron Braugh's arrival. So, so what does this uh, move uh, portend for the future? Well, no question you're right about Barnes & Noble's lackluster performance. And, and Boar's dismissal comes amid a pretty tough stretch for the retailer, which is still struggling to find a model that really works for its core business, which, is, of course, is bricks-and-mortar book selling. Uh, after downsizing its underperforming Nook division, that's the arm of the company that's responsible for its uh, dedicated e-reader, of course, uh, Barnes & Noble is pursuing a new strategy now that's going to see it invest in what uh, it's called concept storage, which are going to feature larger cafes, uh, among other things 
things that you know, serve alcohol. And one of Barnes & Noble's new concept stores is currently being built uh, not far from us in the city here in East Chester, New York. And also, as you say, Barnes & Noble's most recent financial results were disappointing. In June, the company reported total revenue for 2016 was down by about 3%, uh, and they had a net loss of $24 million. Uh, those losses were blamed on, among other things, uh, store closures, which are sort of a common thing for Barnes & Noble uh, these days, uh, declining sales at BNN.com, and uh, continually dropping Nook sales, which is another pretty common theme these days. And of course, none of that can really be pinned entirely on Ron Boire. BNN's losses uh, are pretty common. They've been we've seen them pretty much every quarter that we talk about Barnes and Noble on the show. Uh, and a lot of the losses that Boars reported are were pretty much baked in when he arrived on the scene. I don't think anyone was really expecting him to show up and to work a miracle in you know twelve months on the job, given the state of Barnes and Noble's performance. Uh, our listeners will remember that uh, Barnes and Noble also sort of botched its the relaunch of its website, uh, and that has certainly had an effect on sales. But again, it's it's hard to say how much of that really can be put on Boire. And indeed, Barnes & Noble officials have suggested that they are going to stick by the strategic plan that Boire laid out on June 23rd. So, you know, I'm sort of at a loss to say what happened to Ron Boire, and thus I'm sort of at a loss to say what the future is for Barnes & Noble. But we're watching the story closely because it's, it's really fascinating. And one aspect of it that only PW can really report on is the reaction of publishers. And in Monday's issue, you're going to have a story on that subject. You'll hear from publishers. And is it fair to say they're worried about this? Yeah, I think it is fair to say that. In fact, you know, the shock and even anger were among the reactions publishers uh, expressed to Publishers Weekly. The head of one large publisher said he was, quote, angered to hear the news because finding and building a new executive team is going to set BNN back by as much as six months, uh, this executive estimated. And this executive said, we need Barnes & Noble to execute on the ground during the holidays. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good point about uh, Barnes & Noble and the staff. You know, Boire not only himself joined uh, the organization just 12 months ago, he also made a number of significant new hires, including a new chief digital officer, a chief information officer, and uh, Jamie Carey, who had been COO for less than a year, was recently named president of development and the restaurant group. That happened, I think, just back in June. So, you know, what happens with those hires is also sort of an open question at this point. Uh, you know, Barnes & Noble has not laid out a timetable for hiring a new CNO, uh, but publishers are understandably anxious that the nation's uh, remaining large chain is now searching for its third new leader in less than three years. And investors are obviously a little worried as well. The stock took a beating after Barr's uh, departure was announced. But I'm going to leave you with this. In the last year, Barnes & Noble has really not seen an increase in book sales, while Amazon has, and the indie segment is showing pretty significant growth. So there's a case to be made here that Barnes & Noble is the you know proverbial barrel tapped at both ends. On one end, it's, it can't beat Amazon on price, uh, so that hurts it. And on the other side, it really can't beat indie booksellers on service. So what is Barnes & Noble going forward? What's the plan here? Now, the indie bookseller resurgence, that's good news. Uh, I think everyone in the industry acknowledges that that's good news. But even with that resurgence, indies are not where the publishers make the big numbers, right? The volume of sales at indie stores is still 
still a relatively minor, though obviously increasingly vital channel. So you can almost sense the concern from publishers. The concern is like palpable now, especially with Amazon consolidating its power on one side. And Amazon's hardly an ideal partner for many reasons we've discussed often on this show. And you know, you've got a struggling chain in Barnes & Noble on the other side. So it'll be uh, quite a, a hand-wringing time for publishers as the holidays approach. Well, I really appreciate that picture of the of the barrel tapped at both ends. And if if that's not the case for BNN, they are certainly over a barrel when it comes to the situation <laughs> they've been left with with the uh, with the growth of Amazon. Well, we can close the show on something of a positive note about those indie booksellers you brought up. The latest figures uh, that we have uh, show that the resurgence that you mentioned is continuing. Yes, indeed, a silver lining this week, and you can read about those numbers on the PW site. But you know, according to estimates released by the U.S. Census Bureau for the first half of 2016, bookstore sales were up 6.1 percent over 2015, uh, and the solid bookstore performance in the first six months of this year follows a 2.5 percent increase for all of last year. Uh, and that's the first time that bookstore sales posted an annual gain since 2007. So, uh, as one publishing insider told us, we we pray for the health of Barnes and Noble, uh, but the bookstore segment seems to be doing okay. So let's let's hope that that continues. Well, indeed, that kind of bookstore sales growth is about as welcome as a good soaking summer's rain for a drought-ridden farmer. Andrew Albany's PW senior writer joins me every Friday with the book world news and weather. Thanks for speaking with me, Andrew. <laughs> my pleasure, as always. Available from Monday, August 22nd, is my interview with Matt McKay, Director of Communication and Events for the STM Association, the leading global trade association for academic and professional publishers. McKay explains that while scholarly Collaboration networks have received much credit for bringing research into the digital age. Publishers recognize that questions come up about the proper way to share materials on those professional social media sites. From our end, what we really need to do is to work with publishers to, to make sure that their licensing and copyright information is as clear and simple as possible, and, and likewise does address sharing specifically as one means of distribution. So um, it's quite a big body of work, not only to, to start looking at building those tools to help people, but also working with publishers uh, to, to make that process as simple and, and as streamlined as possible. And that's Matt McKay of STM next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center with its subsidiaries Rights Direct in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book.